Tim Harris. I'm pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. I've been away for a couple of weeks of rest and recreation on the beach. Missed you, uh, but it's really, really good to be back. I really did miss you. I love you guys. If, if I could just take all of you to the beach with me, I'd never have to come back, and we would have the best kind of life ever. However, today is the most beautiful day in the world. It is gorgeous in Kentucky today. All of you in Cafe, God bless you. We love you. Tommy Newton, Tracy Newton married. Got your daughter married off yesterday. Shelby Newton married in this house yesterday. It was glorious to see her. Um, it's the first time I've ever done a wedding of someone that close to my family. Shelby is my niece, probably the closest thing to a daughter that I'll ever have. Uh, I cry at everybody's wedding. I mean, I, I cried when the IGA opened across from South Warren. That's just, that's just me. Uh, but boy, it was, it was tough yesterday. I thought we would all come unglued. Shelby was beautiful, but how wonderful to celebrate those things together as a family and as a church family. God bless all of you. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. I want to start a new message series for this summer entitled Summer to Remember. Summer to Remember. Our problem is we always forget. We forget the things we ought to remember, and also, oddly enough, we tend to remember the things we ought to forget, but Scripture in, in, in a number of places tells us exactly what we need to remember. Over and over in the Bible, uh, we are told and commanded to remember things, remember things, the things that God considers worth our remembering. And so I want us to take some Sundays here through the summer and make this a summer for remembering, coming back to the things that God commands us to remember. So we'll start this morning in Exodus chapter. 20. I, I mentioned my last couple of weeks on the beach. I should ask you how your week has been. I should probably ask you more often, how's work? I mean, honestly, we tend to only see each other for the most part here on, uh, at church on Sunday morning, but, but the fact is all of us spend the, the biggest part of our life somewhere else. Uh, I mean, this is kind of your church life, but you have a life life outside of here. And most of that time is spent uh, on a job at, at a place called work. And for some of you, it really is work. And that's why you don't talk about it when you get to church. But the problem is sometimes we compartmentalize that too much. The people that we worship with, for the most part, many of you are, are here every single Sunday and people don't even know what you do. And it's not because you work for the CIA and can't tell us. It, it's just that we don't often talk about what we do outside of, of this place, and, and we really do tend to compartmentalize. It's almost like we keep it separate. And the problem with that is we begin to think of it as separate, as if the, the life that we live in the Lord or the life that we have here as, as the family of God is separated from the life that we live in the world, the life we live at work and, and all the other places that, that we go. You need to understand that, that it's not separate. It's not that you can compartmentalize life that way. You only have one life, your, your life life, and, and this is all part of it. And you need to know that your job matters to God. You really need to understand that your work, your job, it matters to God. It's very, very important to God. And I know it's important to you. Most of you give so much to your work. I, I know you. I know most of you very, very well. And I know how hard you work. We don't have lazy people at this church. We just simply don't. You all work hard and, you, and you're the very best at what you do in all the different vocations and occupations represented here. I, I know how you work. I know how much you give to your jobs. But every now and then I need to call you back to scripture and remind you that you must not give everything to your job. You must not give everything to your job for the simple reason that the most important things in your life are not at work. 
It's not your job. The most important things in your life are all of the things that happen after you clock out. The problem is you've got to know how to clock out. And many of us just simply don't. We give everything at work, and we come home wrung out like a disrag, my grandma would say. We got nothing left, which means you have nothing left to give to your family. You have nothing left to give to your neighbors. You have nothing left for serving the Lord. You've given it all at work. And that is not how we're supposed to live. You've got to know how to clock out. You've got to understand that you have to save the best of your energy and save the best of yourself so that you have something to give to all of the things that are more valuable than work. But it's difficult. It's very, very difficult to have those boundaries. It's difficult to know how to save the best part of yourself for all the things that matter most. And that's why God has given us a very, very simple way to do that. A very simple way to do that. You might even say this is God's, one of God's earliest and best gifts to us. It's a very simple gift, and it is intended to do this very thing, to make you able to save the best of what you have to give to all the things that matter more than work. God's given you a way to do that. It's called the Sabbath. And the commandment today that we're called to remember is to remember the Sabbath. Come back with me to Scripture. We're going to look at two different passages where the Sabbath uh, is commanded to us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 is where we'll start. So read there with me. Exodus 20, verse 8. This is in the Ten Commandments. You ready? Listen to this. <clears throat> Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, go forward a couple of chapters to Exodus 31. Exodus 31, verse 12. Further instructions on the Sabbath. This is what the word of the Lord says. Exodus 31, verse 12. The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to remember my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a, say the word, sign. The Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Okay, listen to this. Anyone who desecrates the Sabbath must be put to death. Whoa. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. I think he means it. It's, it's a sign. Scripture says that it's a sign. A while back I heard on the news 
crazy story about a man who was called to go into court for a traffic citation. He was driving down the road with an obstructed, a completely obstructed windshield. Cops pulled him over, uh, wrote him up. Problem is, he, he went on to court to, to protest it. Because his windshield was obstructed with this giant sign that he made. It was just a great big sign with one word, and the word was Jesus. Big Jesus sign on his windshield. Now, it's not like a fancy see-through sign. You couldn't see through it, y'all. It was an obstructed windshield, and it said Jesus. Now, he wasn't in one of those fancy cars with cameras and everything where he could see. He rigged it himself. He rigged his own cameras. So he had a camera on the front, and then he had a monitor inside so he could drive down the road and see where he was going with, with cameras and screens. He, he rigged that up. Couldn't see anything, but he was looking through cameras driving, so the cops pulled him over, wrote him up. He was protesting his citation. You know why? Because he said they were infringing on his freedom of religion. Now, Understand, in this world, we're supposed to stand out as different because we belong to God. You agree with that? We should stand out as, as different. But we need to talk about what kind of differences we're talking about here. Now, the guy driving down the road with the Jesus sign on his windshield like a maniac, I'm not sure that's the kind of difference that we're talking about. I'm not sure that's what God's going for here. If you want to be different from the world, if you want to stand out as special somehow belonging to God, then maybe you should consider the ways in which Scripture recommends that you choose to be different. And honestly, the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath is one of those fundamental signs of belonging. I mean, that's the kind of language that is used. Chapter 31, notice what it says. Verse 13, tell the people of Israel... Be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a, say the word, sign. It's a sign. Now, what is a sign? A sign is usually something that, I guess we could use the word symbol. A sign points to something else. Now, right outside uh, on the main road here, if you come out and turn left, the first thing you'll see is, is a sign. It has, you know, a, a cross means like this and then R and R on it. It's a sign with the cross that says R and R. What does that mean? Railroad. Yeah, it's a sign, and it helps us understand railroad. Now, is the sign the railroad? No, the sign points to the railroad. It lets you understand that there's a railroad here. So the Sabbath is a sign, which means the Sabbath is, is, is not so much the point. The Sabbath points to something that is greater. The, 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 the Sabbath is, is, is intended to point to something else. So what is it to which the Sabbath points? What's it supposed to, 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 to help people see? Notice what it says. The Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you. So the Sabbath is a sign of a covenant. The Sabbath points to our special relationship with God. The Sabbath is a sign of the covenant, the, the relationship between me and you from generation to generation. So the Sabbath is the, this sign. It, it, it's a special way of pointing to our relationship with God. Now, it also says that the Sabbath is a day set apart. So understand, setting apart one day out of seven, this is a biblical principle, is meant to remind us that we ourselves are set apart by God. You set apart one day, 
And that reminds you that you yourself are set apart. We're different. We have a special relationship to God. And the Sabbath stopping once a week, stopping everything and setting one day aside, that is a way of reminding ourselves. It's a sign for us that we belong to him. It reminds us that we're set apart in the same way that this day is set apart. Now, how are we set apart? I would say first we're set apart by identity. Who I am is determined by this relationship that I have with God. This covenant that was bought with the very blood of Christ, that's who I am. Before anything else, I belong to him. Before anything else, he gets to call me by my true name. It is God who tells me who I am. It is God who determines my my place in the world. God establishes my identity. And Sabbath keeping, setting aside this day, as the scripture says, this is one of the ways that I'm reminded every single week. It's built into the rhythm of my life. I know who I am and I know whose I am. The Sabbath helps me understand that. It reminds me of that. Now, you can just live your life, and most people do, and sadly, a lot of us do. Even though we have a habit of coming to church, it's just a habit. It's really not a a, a deep uh, observance of remembering a special relationship with God. But this is what setting the day aside is supposed to help us do. It, It sets us apart in identity. And let's be honest, a lot of us, our identity is really sort of determined by the world around us, by our culture. And our culture is a culture that prizes leisure. I mean, we love leisure and and recreation. We love entertainment. Uh, We're all about entertainment. The other night in family meeting, we had to upgrade one of our televisions here at church because as it turns out, so many of our church members have like TVs that, that, that like are better than what they have at NASA. So we had a TV, you know, like, you know, from, from, you know, back when we were all kids, we had a TV on a cart that, that was like as big as a car. It was giant color TV, and it's on a car. I mean, if it fell over, it'd kill somebody. I mean, do y'all remember when TVs were this, this deep? You know, I mean, this was that TV, and apparently it was just an embarrassment to the church, you know, because now we want TVs to be flat, you know. I mean, we want a TV that you can unroll and fold up and put it back in your pocket. Uh, I mean, it's that sort of thing, because we love entertainment. We love it. I mean, in your house now, I mean, some of you can't afford groceries, but you have a TV that's bigger than the 31W drive-in screen. <laughs> and, and we think that that's essential because it is. I mean, you got to have a screen this big. I mean, your, your living room is only, you know, your living room's this wide, but your TV's this wide. I mean, it's like gonna, it, it'll burn your face. And, and all you're doing is watching, watching reruns of Law and Order. You know, but, but entertainment really matters to us. I mean, it really, really matters to us. Leisure and, and, and entertainment and free time. I mean, how many times here's my say, you know, I just need some me time. You know, you just got to understand, Pastor Tim, Sunday's my day. Well, no, actually it's not. I mean, actually, I mean, actually it's, it's not. I mean, the scripture says, you got six days. I mean, God is a very generous God. He gave you six days, and only one day is set apart for him. So you can't come back and say, Sunday's our family. It's the only day we've got. No, no, you've missed it. You have six days. You have six family days. You have six work days. You have six days to get it all done. 
There is one day of the week, just one day, and God says that day's mine. You keep that holy for me. Everything else stops. The word Sabbath, it literally means cease. Stop. Clock out. You're done. Rest. Ooh. That's hard on us. It's hard because when it comes to identity, we tend to identify more with the world. And for us, Sabbath keeping now is all mixed up with what we call the weekend. It's the weekend. You know? And the God says, you got six days to work, but what God don't understand is no way. We got a weekend now. We only got five days we got to work. We got two days now that belong to us. It's our weekend. And we love the weekend. And don't we love it? The thing is, y'all, the weekend is invented. It's invented. It was like the, the, the Labor Standards Act in 1938, something like that. I mean, we invented the weekend. I mean, somewhere along the way after the Industrial Revolution, somebody decided you can't make people work seven days a week. So they sort of invented the weekend. People haven't always had two days off. It just hasn't always happened. It's, it's, it's a fairly new thing, but we've all become so used to it that we can't even imagine a life where you actually had to work six days and, and only had one day. But that's truly the world that Scripture describes. You have six days, six days for ordinary life, but then there's one day where all of that ceases. Your ordinary life stops, and that seventh day is different. You set that day aside because God has set us aside. It, it helps us remember that we're set apart in identity. We're also set apart in purpose. The purpose of your life is not just to work, 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 work until you drop dead. That, that's not the reason that you live. You, know, you, don't, you, you don't live to work. It's great that we all have jobs, and, and, and thank God, and all of us need jobs. And if you're one of those people who's idle and never works, and you don't think you should have to work, and you're able-bodied, and, and the Bible says you should be working. I mean, Paul says if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. I mean, the Bible has some strong things to say about work, but the Bible also has some strong things to say about not working. At least one day a week you don't work. You clock out. You cease. You've got to know how to do that. Well, Pastor Tim, you don't understand, man. My, my, my boss, he don't know nothing about ceasing. You know anything about Sunday? I mean, we just work on this rolling schedule, four on, four off. You know, I, I get that. I, I understand that. But do you understand that your purpose in life is not just to work this job? That your purpose in life is not just to make money? Your purpose in life is not just to live as the world lives. We're different. We're a, we're a unique. We're a holy people set apart by a holy God. I don't know about that, Pastor Tim. I don't know if that's how the world works these days. Well, I understand. That's why we're set apart from the world these days. There's a pretty amazing kid I read about. His name is Elliot Huck. He's 14 years old from Bloomington, Indiana. A champion speller. Y'all ever watch like the National Spelling Bee on, on TV? I mean, it's really cool. I, I mean, you know, they, I mean, they're spelling words that you and I don't even know. It's like, is that a word? You know, and these little bitty kids just like spitting at those words. Elliot Huck is one of those kids, an amazing speller from Bloomington to Indiana. And he was on his way to the National Spelling Bee, y'all. I mean, 14-year-old kid, and this is what he does. And he's a Christian kid. 
And somehow he's always sort of recognized that God gave him this gift. I mean, you name where he can spell it. Anti-disestablishmentarianism, you know, he's on it. You spell it. He said he always kind of understood that that's one of the ways that he glorified God, by spelling. I mean, honestly, that is our purpose to glorify God. And Elliot understood that, man, if God gave me this ability, I, I can glorify God by spelling. Here's the thing. Turns out that uh, this trip of a lifetime to Washington, D.C., this opportunity to spell in the National Spelling Bee, where he was one of the favorites perhaps to win, it was going to be on Sunday. Sunday. Now, I know some of you, that's not even a thing. I mean, you play ball on Sunday. You do anything you want on Sunday. I mean, you just do it. I mean, you just do it. I mean, what do you got to do? That's the day. It, I'm a speller. Spelling bee's on Sunday, and I just spell. But Elliot's different. He, he doesn't think like that. It was Sunday. And for Elliot, Sunday is a day that he sets apart as Elliot. He's a 14-year-old boy. This is what he said. He said, I've always assumed that I could glorify God by spelling. But it sounds like this year... I'm supposed to glorify God by not spelling. He didn't go. Now, if you says, Mama, you'd make him go. Some of you, you'd make him go. It's a chance of a lifetime. Washington, D.C. Here's what Elliot said, direct quote. I just accepted that God knows what's best, and I'm just going to do what he says. 14, that's a better sermon than I'm preaching right here. Just accepted that God knows what's best. I'm just going to do what he says. Think God knows what's best? Book of Genesis talks about creation. And of all of the things that God created, he created this, the, the, the idea of a Sabbath. I mean, he created sky and sea and mountains and planets and constellations and every creature you can name. God created all of that. But he also built into the fabric of creation this principle that, that your life is supposed to be governed by a certain rhythm of work and rest, work and worship. Do you see that? It's built into the very fabric of creation that you're not supposed to let every day just run together. That that's not how you're supposed to live. And you're not supposed to give all of your best energy to work because work is not where the best things are. You, you live with boundaries. And, and, and the Sabbath is, is, is a gift for us. I mean, it really is a, a gift for us. Notice what the Scripture says back in verse 14, chapter 31. You must keep the Sabbath day for it is a holy day for you. The Sabbath is for us. It's not for God. I mean, I know the scripture says that God rested, but, but honestly, that's, it's, it's a poetic kind of language. It's not like God was just so worn out after creation. He just had to take a day off. I mean, no, no. It's a principle that God is trying to establish for us that, that, that we can't work all the time. And he never intended for us to work all the time. You've got to know how to rest. You've got to know how to stop. You've got to know how to cease. And this is a gift for you. It's a gift for you. It's not just so that we can have church. It's not just so we can have people to work in the nursery, which we always need. It's not about that. It's not for the church. It's not, it's not for God. This is for you. It's a gift for you. 
You need to know how to live this way. You need to learn how to make the, the, the most important things the most important things. And this is God's gift so that you learn how to do that. Every single week, you sort of let this rhythm establish the way you live your life. You set apart a day for the things that matter more than work. It's a gift for you. Old story, true story about an American uh, tourist who was touring Kenya, a very, very wealthy man. He hired some Kenyan porters, uh, some men who would carry all of his baggage, all of his gear, and he was on this hike through the bush of, of Kenya. First day, this man was out there, oh, and they were going across in the bush, and I mean, had somebody carrying all of his stuff, and all those you know, Kenyan porters were lined up behind him, and they carried I mean, they moved. That first day, they made incredible progress through the bush, some incredible progress. Camped out that night, got up the next day, day two, I mean, they, they hit it again. They took off, and that American man, he was pushing them, just pushed them through the bush, and they were all carrying his stuff, man. I mean, day two, man, they went further than, than they went on day one. He couldn't believe it. He was so pleased, because that's how we are. I mean, we like progress. Day three, he said, up and let's go. And they broke up camp. They put it on their backs, carrying his stuff. And he pushed them through the bush. I mean, day three, they hit it. I mean, they were making amazing progress. Day four, same thing. They got up, they broke up camp. They carried his stuff. They took off. I mean, they plowed through. I mean, it was amazing. Day five, he got up and they wouldn't move. I mean, the American got up, let's go, let's go. And they wouldn't move. They wouldn't move. They wouldn't pick up. They wouldn't get up. They just lay there under trees in the shade. He went over to the the translator and says, I need to know what's happening here. You need to tell these men to get up. I'm paying them. We've got to go. We've got to move. Tell them to get up and go. The translator said, no, they're not moving today. They're waiting for their souls to catch up with their bodies. They're waiting for their souls to catch up with their bodies. That sounds crazy. And it sounds really, really wise somehow. I mean, have you read much of the Bible at all? When you listen to what the Word of God says on nearly every page, there's, there's just no place where we are instructed to live like that. As a matter of fact, one of the most amazing verses you'll find in the book of Psalms says, you need to be still and know that I am God. In stillness and in ceasing will you find me, the word of God says. I mean, this life that you and I live that is so dependent upon hurry and rushing and following a schedule and getting up early and living in the van. I mean, some of you, every time you hit the brakes, you got French fries and cups rolling up. It's because you live in your car. You live in your van. You eat every meal in your van because you feel like you have to because you got places to go and you got a family and everybody's got places to go and this is how you live and scripture calls into question the wisdom of living that way your family has done run off and and, and you've left your soul somewhere else because the soul simply will not keep that pace the, the spiritual side of you, the side of you that really matters, the, the, the most important places in your heart, they wither under that kind of lifestyle. God's not going to chase you down so that he can whisper in your ear. It will not work that way. You need to be still and know who he is. And so to make this easy for you, God just sort of told you how to live your life. You can rip and run and snort for six days, but there's one day a week when you just stop that. You stop, you rest, you worship, you set that day apart. 
It's a gift for you. This is for you. Now, along with that, go back to the New Testament and read all the places where Jesus bumps heads with people over the Sabbath. And typically, the people he bumped heads with were the people who really loved the Sabbath. I mean, the Pharisees who loved the Sabbath. And Jesus bumped heads with them. How come? Because Jesus didn't love the Sabbath? No, no. Jesus taught them that that the Sabbath is for you. God created the Sabbath for you. Jesus bumped heads with them because they wanted to be the Sabbath police. They loved the Sabbath so much, they wanted to be able to tell everybody else what they couldn't do on Sunday. Hey, I saw you mowing your yard on Sunday. You better park that mower. But I mean, you don't get to do that. You don't get to be the Sabbath police. I mean, Jesus typically really shut that down. The Sabbath is for you. And you need to remember the Sabbath and you need to learn to live your life by this rhythm of rest and worship and work. But you don't ever get to come around and tell everybody else what they do. I'm old enough to remember when a lot of places weren't open on Sunday. I remember when department stores, I mean the mall, I mean nothing was open. I remember when a lot of restaurants weren't even open. And now everything is open. I mean, everything is just wide open every day. And I know some of us, it just kind of breaks your heart. But, but understand, it's the world. You can't expect the world to live like God's people. Keeping the Sabbath is one of the signs that we belong to God. You can't expect Pizza Hut to care about that. You, you can't. It's the world. Sabbath keeping belongs to us. It belongs to the people of God. The problem is we think and live too much like the world. We're the different ones. Uh, on that point, don't you love Chick-fil-A for that? Don't you love Chick-fil-A? It's the basic reason that they don't uh, stay open on Sunday. You know how much money they could make? Because all of us would go. I mean, after church, man, I, mean, I, I, I could cut into some Chick-fil-A right now. But they cease. And part of what they're not doing on Sunday is making money. But it's a, it's a corporate principle because it's a Christian company. I love that. But they just quietly do that. They just quietly do that. They're not out there protesting, you know, Corner Bakery because they're open. They're not out there protesting Wendy's because they're open. They just quietly do their thing. And quietly, they, they call attention to the fact that, that we have different values. The problem is not all of us who call ourselves Christians have different values from the world. The Sabbath is a, a, a day for you. I mean, just say this. This is kind of complicated in a way. It's simple if you really think about it. But rest is the work of grace. Rest is the work of grace. And we say, for grace, are you saved through faith? And it's not of yourselves. It's, it's a gift of God. It's the idea that we're saved by grace and not by works. But, but the point is, rest is the work of, of grace. That, that ability just to rest and know that I can take a day off. It's not up to me. The world's not revolving around me. God is God, and I'm not God. And if I take a day off, everything will keep spinning because God's the one who makes it spin. And I'm telling you, this has been a hard lesson for me to learn in my own life. And in, in earlier seasons of my life, I, I couldn't understand this. I felt like if I took vacation, I mean, I'm a pastor. My job is a spiritual job. And, and I felt like if I, take, if I take a day off, people go to hell. I mean, I, I have felt that way in my life. If I'm not out there doing what I do, people go to hell. But, but no, 
To think like that gets things way out of order, doesn't it? I mean, I serve the Lord, but I'm not the one that keeps them out of hell. I'm not the one that keeps everything spinning. That's God's work. And I am commanded one day a week to just stop all of that and remember who God is. Remember who really makes things happen. It's not me. So, so I rest, you see, and that's exactly the, the work that grace calls me to. Grace tells me that I don't have to earn anything and that, and that I don't have to sort of make things happen, that the things that really matter come to me as a gift from God, and all I need to do is stand back and receive those things. And the Sabbath is the day when you can just stand back and receive things from God. You just stand back and receive. John Ortberg is one of my favorite pastors when he first went to his church. He was in that season of life where he's just busy, 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 busy. He had young kids. They were living in the van, like, like I said. They were going to soccer practice and dance practice and cheerleading practice and all the kind of practices that you can name. There were school meetings and taking the kids to school and picking them up from school. And, and on top of that, pastor one of the largest churches in the United States, and, and the church just kept him at a really busy clip, too. I mean, it, it never, ever stopped. But John called a, a, a wise, older spiritual mentor, just sort of starting out in ministry to say, uh, what can you tell me? What's the secret of ministry? So the old wise man listened to John and listened to the way he lived his life. And John said, tell me, you know, what, what's the secret to being a pastor? What's the secret to living a satisfying life? And the old man finally said, well, John, one thing. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John said, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm going to write that thing down. I'm going to write that down right now. You must ruthlessly, I'm writing that down, eliminate hurry. Now, what else? What else? The old man said, John, there is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You cannot live a spiritual life and be hurried all the time. And if this is how you live, you're doing it wrong. If at the end of what you call the weekend, and you're calling that your Sabbath, but at the end of of what's supposed to be the day of the Lord and the day of rest and worship, if you are more tired at the end of tonight and more tired after the weekend than, than, than after a week of work, you're doing it wrong. If on Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday on the, on the Lord's Day, if, if, if on that day you're just pushed on that day as you are on every other day, I mean, if you just can't go home today and take a nap, if, if, if in your life you're not free to just do that or just go out on the boat, I mean, if you're not able just to stop and rest and worship and be with your family, if you're not able to do that, there's something wrong. And you need to recognize that there's something wrong. Life goes too quickly anyway for you to continue hurrying through it. You, you need some slow time. Your kids need to learn the beauty of being bored. Again, they're in a culture that tells them they need to be entertained and stimulated 24 hours a day. You need to teach your kids differently. That there's a value in slowing down. There's a value in resting and worshiping. There is a value in clocking out. You have to learn to cease. We don't talk about it enough. How's work? How was your week? 
we don't talk about it, and that allows us to sometimes think that our lives are compartmentalized, that there's, there's my life on the job and there's my life everywhere else. But the problem is for some of us, that life on the job crowds out everything else. You work too much. You work too hard. You have nothing left when you get home, and you have nothing left over for the Lord. You must not live your life in such a way where you give all of your best to all the things that are not best. God has given you a simple way to keep these things in priority, to keep these things in, in balance. God's simple way is called the Sabbath. Six days you do your ordinary thing, but that seventh day, that's set apart for God. And that's for you. That's why the Lord says, remember the Sabbath. Pray with me. God, we have a horrible habit of forgetting the things we're supposed to remember. And God, many of us have just forgotten the importance of stopping, clocking out, slowing down, putting down the phone. We've forgotten, Lord, what it's like just to sit around and eat a meal at the table in a slow way. We've forgot what it's like, Lord, not to have to unwrap dinner from the drive through window. Lord, we forgot what it's like not to drink every beverage through a straw. We have forgotten what it's like to sit on the porch to drink coffee. Lord, we've forgotten what it's like to come into your house and acknowledge that you are God and we are not. Lord, we don't set apart any day as holy. We don't set apart anything as holy, Lord. We just live very, very unholy lives, full of hurry and full of busyness. And we're teaching our kids to live in the same insane way. When you tell us that you have given the Sabbath as a gift for generation to generation, Lord, this is something we teach our children, something we learn from our parents, something that we want to remind one another, Lord. In this world, we're different. In this world, we should stand out. And one of the ways we stand out, Lord, is that we will not be slaves to work. We will not, Lord, let the world tell us who we are or what we're about, Lord. We belong to you. And everything that really matters to us, Lord, it comes as a gift from you. So, Lord, today of all days, will you just allow us to stop, to cease, to be still, to rest, to worship, and to receive every good thing from you as from a Father's hand. God, we need this. We need to let our souls catch up with our bodies. Teach us, Lord, to remember what it's like to live in such a way where all of the important things get all of our important attention, energy. So bless us today, Lord. We've worshiped in your house. Now, Lord, with the rest of this day, help us to rest. Help us to slow down. Help us to clock out. Help us to cease. And remember that you are God. We are not. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Stand together.